Christ. Amen. And uh, we want to thank everybody that has been involved and in whatever way that you're fasting and whatever way you're praying. Um, you can feel it. Somebody asked me earlier, how, you know, how you, how you doing with, with your daughter being gone and she's, you know, living in Fort Worth and, and then Pastor Dylan and Ashley left and I was like, you know what, it hasn't hit me yet, but they said probably, it's probably the fast. How many know when you're fasting, it's like an adrenaline, amen? And, and it was, you know, if you ever played sports, how many ever played any kind of sports? If you got hurt in, in, in sports, if you got kicked in the ankle or the shin or hurt yourself, there was an adrenaline there that you could keep playing through it and then later on after the game was over then it really kicked in because the adrenaline set down fasting does that to us and it can get you to a place where you are in another level amen how many have been feeling not i don't the attack is normal that's and part of the attack is your stomach amen but how many have been feeling that your heightened sense of 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 closeness to god a a faith uh, just another level in your walk amen how many been feeling that amen if you are fasting you will feel that you will sense that closeness to God, you'll sense that when you're praying, it's like he's closer. And he's not any closer, amen? It's just that your, your flesh is more out of the way. That's what fasting does. Fasting moves your flesh out of the way. And when, the, when we get our flesh out of the way, the spirit does more things. The Bible says, walk according to the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I want to continue to talk tonight and encourage us about our praying. I do want to let you know that Pastor Dylan and Ashley made it safely, amen, late last night to Tanzania. And uh, no problems, they're there. And so continue to pray for them that they'll hit the ground running and God will be, begin to do great and powerful things in them and through them, amen. I want you to open your Bibles tonight to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to talk tonight about the will of God. If I, if I were to pass the microphone around and ask people, what is the will of God, we'd get a lot of answers. Amen? I believe that all the answers that we would get would be correct in some way because the will of God is something that, that can be put into different answers, different thoughts. Different thoughts. I mean, I would, I, I would think if someone asked me tonight, if I was sitting there where you're at, and they say, what's the will of God, uh, I would understand the first and foremost is that we would be saved. That's the will of God, that none should perish that everyone should come to everlasting life. But how many know in a church service on a Wednesday night, um, we're here to be, to be trained and to learn and to be discipled. So we're beyond that part. We're already saved in here tonight. And if you're not saved, you can get saved tonight, which is the will of God. But for all of us that are saved and our names are in the book of life, that's the, I want to ask you now, what is the will of God? And I'm going to answer it tonight in the scriptures. And we're going to talk about the will of God and the perfect attitude for prayer. And I want to look at these three verses here that are very short but very powerful. That is the will of God, okay? And so here it says, rejoice always. Amen? Rejoice always. This is a power-packed, supernatural, powerful punch of the word of God to us. And there's some things I want us to look at. He says, rejoice always. And how many know always means all the time? There's three things I want us to see here that if we can get these three things down, we will walk in victory. I didn't say we might walk in victory. We will walk in victory. We will walk in perfect victory, and we will have the will of God. It says rejoice always. Then it says pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And then lastly it says in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. And now look what it says. For this 
is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you? So I just answered that question. What is the will of God? The will of God is that we would always rejoice and that we would give thanks for everything that happens. And in the middle, we would pray without ceasing. See how prayer is in the middle there? Think about that in your life every day. I didn't, I didn't ask you today uh, if, if, if you rejoice because you had a good day or if you're thankful tonight because you had a good day. He didn't ask that in there. He didn't say the will of God is that when things are good and, and everything's right and everything's perfect that you would rejoice. He didn't say there in that verse that, that when, when, when everything's good and you, and you have a good marriage and you're happy with your kids and you're healthy, and every, then, then, then you'd be thankful. He didn't say that. He says the will of God in Christ Jesus is that in everything you would give thanks. That means the good and the bad. This is a powerful nugget tonight. And this is something that we should not just be doing for 21 days of praying and fasting. We should be doing this all year long. And I believe if you'll get this tonight, this right here, this is a powerful tool and a nugget to make it for God. How do you make it for God? You rejoice in everything. You rejoice always. You, you're always looking at the, the glass half, half full and not half empty. Amen. That's an important thing to do because the glass is always going to be there. And we have to make a decision what we do with that glass. Amen. So I want you to have joy. Did I lose it? How come no one told me? Where'd it go? Oh, it's on the stage. No, it's not. It disappeared. Oh, well. Guess I don't need that part of the notes. Amen. Well, I wanted to tell a few jokes, so I guess there they went. But I do remember one. It's my favorite one. There, there was this, uh, there was this uh, family. They were very wealthy. Husband, wife, and three sons. And they were um, doing well in their business. And all of a sudden, the husband passed away. And they were, they were kind of older. The men were grown up and married and everything. And so he passed away, and so the, the wife was left um, by herself, and so her birthday was coming up. And all three sons uh, with, with money, you know, they had a lot of money, and they thought they could buy her happiness with money. So they thought at one night at the table, they got together and said, what are you going to get mom? And the other one son said, man, I know what mom wants. I know, you know, there's always competition between sons, right, and sons and daughters, and especially the sons, these three sons were very com com competitive. So one guy said, man, I know exactly what mom wants. Mom wants a bigger house, and I'm going to buy her the biggest house money can buy. I'm going to buy this beautiful place, and, and she's going to be so happy. I'm going to custom build it. He was a builder, and he said, this, that's what I'm going to buy mom. And the other son says, man, you don't know mom. You do not know mom. All these years, you do not know mom. He says, mom, mom likes to be chauffeured around. She hates to drive, so I'm going to buy her the nicest car you can buy, and I'm going to pay for a chauffeur to drive her around everywhere so she don't ever have to get on the streets and drive. And the third son says, neither one of you know what mom likes. Mom loves the word of God, and she loves God more than anything, more than houses or cars. And so I found online a parrot that can quote the verses of the Bible. And when you say, a, you say James 3.16, that parrot quotes it back. And they were like, that's, that's the dumbest gift I've ever heard of. And so they all gave their gifts on, on, on her birthday. And, and so mom comes around one day, and they're all eating. And she says, listen, sons, I, I want to thank you for your gifts. But, son, 
I, I'm by myself. Dad's gone. I don't have anybody living with me. That house you bought is beautiful, but it's way too big. Way too big. I, I, I can't even go into all the rooms. And she says to the other son, beautiful car. Smells great. The leather smells wonderful. But she says, that chauffeur is so rude to me, and I, and I, don't, I don't even like to get out. I'm old. She says, you, son. And she looks at the one that gave her the parrot. She says, you, knew my, you know what I really like. She says, that, that chicken was delicious. Amen. And by the way, that bird cost $100,000. Rejoice always. How many know we need to laugh? Laughing is good. Amen. Pray without ceasing. I was thinking about this word rejoice. To feel or show great joy or delight. I want to give you a revelation tonight in the word. It's easy to be happy when there's something to be happy about. Okay, watch this. I want to teach you something tonight. If, you, if it's a light bulb will come on on this, it'll change your, your perspective on life. Happiness is something, if you were to think about the word happiness, is different than rejoicing. Being rejoiceful and happy is different. Happy is something that you are based on a circumstance that has happened. Rejoicing is a decision that you make regardless of the circumstance. Did y'all catch that? I'm going to say it again. Someone says, I'm happy. Or you say, hey, are you happy? And someone might say, no, I'm not happy right now. This is going on and that's going on. And, and their happiness can depend on their circumstances. So easy for us to be happy when things are good and then to be very sad when things are not. But rejoicing is different because rejoicing says to show great joy or delight. And I like some of the synonyms. synonyms. Sometimes the synonyms, are, which are words that are like that, are, are better to me. Other words of the definition, better sometimes than the actual definition itself. You see happiness there and pleasure and joy and gladness and elation and cheer and jubilation. There's all kinds, euphoria. But I, there's actually a word in there, and let, watch this. There's actually a word in there in the definition called rapture. Rapture. Now think about this. If we are serving the Lord correctly tonight, we can have the right attitude about God, and we can be rejoicing always in a situation, meaning that when I see God, when I know, sorry, that God is with me and by my side, I can actually be raptured from my situation and be rejoicing in the middle of a trial. Rapture means to be snatched away from danger. And so I can actually be taken above the circumstances and rejoice and say, God, I thank you for that problem tonight. I thank you for that situation tonight. Amen. I thank you for the noise that the speaker's making because I have a speaker to speak out of. Right? Amen. So you can be rejoice in, in, all, in all things. Thank you, Lord, for that illustrated sermon. Amen. You say, thank God I have. Oh, man, someone might complain and say, man, that sounded horrible. And I say, thank God that that speaker sounded so good with that noise. Thank God we have nice, beautiful speakers. Amen. Listen to this. Happiness and rejoicing will make you healthy. It'll make you healthy. It's a fact that it's easier to smile than it is to frown. Right? How many have heard that growing up? But listen to what Proverbs 7.22, and this isn't in the verses. I wrote this down after. A merry heart 
does good like medicine. A merry heart does good like medicine. Amen. That's out of Proverbs. So when I'm happy, when I'm rejoicing always, watch this, when I'm rejoicing always, I'm always happy. When I'm rejoicing, I'm always healthy. It's healthy to rejoice. It's healthy to be thankful. This is so, there's so much here. Rejoice always and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, when you think about the word pray without ceasing, how many, how many thought about that? Man, am I, do I, am I always praying? Sometimes we overthink things. How many know that you breathe without ceasing? You, you've been breathing the whole day. And if you stop breathing, you're in trouble, right? We need to get to where we pray like we breathe. That it's just constant attitude of prayer. When we think about that part of prayer, a lot of times, we, we think of it as, as concentrating and, and, and stopping everything and focusing. And that's great. We should have times of focus in prayer. We should have times where we're alone with God. We should have times where we set that apart. But we don't stop during the day as important as breathing is and go, okay, let me concentrate on this. Wow, that was good. Amen? You just breathe. What if God would, would, would allow us to have the attitude that we're, we're just praying like we're breathing? Meaning we're just in constant com- communication with God. <clears throat> we're constantly thinking about God. We're constantly talking about God. We're constantly worshiping God. It can be without breathing. But see, breathing's automatic. Prayer can be automatic. You know why? Because you have the right attitude about it. You get to where you realize that, listen, prayer is like breathing. I, if I don't pray, I'll die. That praying is just as important as me breathing oxygen right now. If I stop breathing, if I stop inhaling and exhaling, I'm going to die. Amen. Hold your breath for a while. I want everybody to do that. Even if somebody pass out in here. When I get the hiccups, I have to, the best way for me to get rid of that whole drinking upside down thing has never worked for me. But I'll take, I have to take, I don't like the hiccups. Some people like the hiccups. I don't like them personally. So when I get the hiccups, I take a humongous breath, and I hold it in as long as I can. And I hold it, and I hold it, and I hold it, and I hold it, and I don't exhale until I can't, you know, hold it any longer. But how many know that that's dangerous when you're driving? Sometimes I thought, man, if I don't exhale right now, I might pass out on the road, right? But that, there, there's something about that. If I don't pray... I'm going, to pass, I'm going to miss God. If I don't pray, I'm going to lose out. If I don't pray, God's going to, God's going to, something's going to happen bad. i got to look at praying like I do breathing. It's that important. It's not something I do every once in a while. We can't breathe once or twice a day. We can't breathe once or twice a week. We can't pray that way either. This is, this is a, put the verse back up if you don't mind. This is just so much in so little space. I mean, you could meditate on this and pray about this, and, and you could, we could literally make this the verse for the whole year, and we would be so victorious. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. That word always means always. Rejoice. Not when they sing my favorite song. Not when they play my favorite song on the radio. Not when I feel like rejoicing. Not when I feel happy. Listen, some people are never happy. 
Amen. Some people are never happy. We should be happy. How can we be sad? We're saved. Amen. We're saved. Our name's in the book of life tonight. Amen. We're going to heaven. We got a house and a mansion being built for us tonight. What in the world could possibly be worth us not being happy? That's what he's, you know, I don't know if you know this, but this is the chapter and just a few verses after the rapture verses. Right at 16, 17, 18, or four, chapter 4 ends and 5 starts up. And then here we go. He says, he, I, I believe that he had his, on his mind still the rapture when he was writing this down, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he probably got a little extra happy. I thought, man, how could I not rejoice? God just told me through the Holy Spirit that he's going to take me out of here one day. Amen. And guess what? He did. Paul got taken out. Amen. He, it makes it makes me think of another one. This kid's in school, and and the teacher or Sunday school, sorry, and the teacher starts saying, "Hey, if I if I give all my clothes to the poor, and I take all the clothes in my closet, and I go down the Salvation Army, and I give it all away, am I gonna make it to heaven?" And the kids go, "No." And and then the teacher says, the Sunday school teacher says, "Well, if I go down and I give a bunch of food down to Salvation Army and I give all the food in my pantry away, is that going to get me to heaven?" The kids go, "No." They're on track, right? Not by works. And so, finally, the teacher says, "Well, what do you got to do to get to heaven?" Then and one boy back in the back says, "You got to be dead." You got to die to get to heaven. Amen. You know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die to get there. Come on. And, and for the last 2,000 years, everybody has gone. The ones who have made it to heaven, they had all had one thing in common. The boy was right. They had to die. Amen. But there's something we know that, that, we, have that we have the possibility tonight and the opportunity tonight to possibly not see death. That's a good reason to rejoice. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Romans 12, 12, watch what this says. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Isn't it interesting? This is another time. This is another part of the Bible, but they're saying the same thing, rejoicing in hope. Why should I rejoice tonight? Because I have hope. Right? I have hope. Don't we have hope tonight? We all have hope. Our hope, our blessed hope, our blessed assurance is that when we die, when we breathe our last breath, we're going to go into the presence of the Lord. Amen. So we're rejoicing in hope. We're patient in tribulation and continuing steadfastly in prayer. Continue. Notice that this is something that is a silver lining through the Bible. We need to constantly be praying. If I am constantly praying, I am constantly rejoicing. If I'm constantly rejoicing, I'm constantly praying. These things go hand in hand. These things work together. Amen. They work together. If you have no joy, here's a quote for you. If you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. There's a leak. Amen. We should be joyful. We, we, and, and, and listen, we talk about this a lot. There'll be some moments, there'll be some times 
where you got to fight through that and get the joy. You're not just going to constantly all the time. Well, you can, but most people can't constantly all the time be joyful. I like to consider myself a joyful person and a happy person. And if, when, when I get to that place where I begin to get a little bit down, I, I begin to think about the things that I have. We have something in the bathroom, in the men's bathroom, that says you want to be rich, count your blessings. Count your blessings. How many know no matter how bad it is, you have blessings? How bad you think it is? No matter how bad you think it is. And, and I, I know we live in the United States of America, and I know you get tired of me saying this, but this comes from my old missionary self. Some of y'all need to go to another country and see the things you don't have over there that we take for granted here. And you'll never be sad again. Come on, don't shout me down. I'm going to preach it whether you shout me down or not. Amen. So if, there, if you don't have joy, you need to find out where that leak is. Something is sucking the joy out of you. you we, that, that's why it's so important to get around people who are joyful. People who will look at a situation and say, hey, I see the best in that. I see, I see God working in that. I see God moving in this. And listen, I'm just going to give you a little heads up. Whether you like it or not, this is important. Amen. Whether you like it or not, you have to be joyful. God didn't ask. Hey, if you like to be happy, he says, I, don't, I didn't see any part there that said question mark. If you feel like it. God didn't ask us that. He just said rejoice. Here's the next verse. I'm going to kind of get ahead of myself. Verse Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. If you feel like it, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. When it's good, rejoice in the Lord when you got money in the bank. Rejoice in the Lord when you're healthy. Rejoice in the Lord when your bills are paid. What does it say? Always, in all things. It, it don't, don't, don't need to go back there and show it, but I, if I'm remembering right, that first verse we, wrote, verse we read said rejoice in everything. Be thankful for everything. Could God be doing something in you right now with the lack maybe or the, or the buffering or the situation that you're, could God be doing something in you right now? Absolutely. He couldn't. He is. And the faster we learn that, the faster we get out of the valley. We can, get, we can begin to get into a valley where God begins to work on us and deal with us in some areas, and we can say, God, I, I don't like the valley, and I know you don't like me to be in the valley because you want me to be on the mountaintop because I'm more than, a, more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, and you've got good plans for me. You know the thoughts you think towards me, so I know I'm down here for a reason, so tell me what I need to learn, and let's get out of here fast and go back up to the mountaintop. Let's get up there real quick because I like it better up there than I do down here. And if you'll have the right attitude, God will say, that's what I'm talking about, son. Let me tell you real quick. Thank you for asking. He'll tell you, you think God wants us to be in the valley? Does God get glory when we're in the valley? Does God get glory when we're, no. But he lets us be there so he can work on us. And the faster we get the attitude of rejoicing always and being thankful for everything, the faster we get the victory. Amen. So he says here, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and again, again, I say rejoice, exclamation point. Amen. How many know he knows what he's talking about? Now, I just want to remind you tonight because we can be, we can be pity party people sometimes. 
when we're going through it and we're struggling, man, we can, and listen, I'm not taking away from struggles. We have them. But listen, 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 the person who's writing this verse spent most of his life after he got saved in prison. In prison. Some of us in this place have done, I shouldn't say us, I haven't done it, but I have done it with other people. Some people in here have done time. I've done time too, but with other people, visiting them. Amen. I've done a lot of time. But I haven't actually been like inside the cell. Amen. But if, if, if you've done time, I, you're most likely, unless you're like some criminals that never did anything wrong, right? I, half the criminals in jail today think I didn't do it. Say, I didn't do it, right? And that, I'm sure that happens. But most people did the crime, right? And so Paul, how about Paul being in prison and didn't do nothing wrong? He's preaching the gospel. And he's saying these words, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, as he's writing this, it's very likely that as he wrote that down, he wasn't sitting in a sanctuary on a padded chair with heat and a car outside waiting for him. It's most likely when he was writing those words, he was sitting in a prison cell with probably a rat running around his legs and water dripping from the back and and in chains And somehow he was able to say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's an attitude, amen? Joy and rejoicing, listen, is an attitude. It's an attitude. And listen, it's an attitude of faith. Being joyful, when you're joyful and you're rejoicing, you're not ignoring the problem. You're telling God, I I know you're bigger than the problem. Amen. And that gives God glory. That gives God praise. Let's look at James chapter 1. This is the part of the message that you're not going to like right here. Amen. This is, the, this is the tough part. This is the part where the spirit has to really, really get in. He says, when you go through troubles, I don't want you just to rejoice. I want you to count it as joy. My brethren, when you fall into various trials... Oh, it got quiet right there. Count it all joy. He didn't just say endure it. He didn't say, my brethren, be good, be strong, endure it. Right? That would have been, been okay that we just, God, I'm, I'm just, I've met Christians in the past. And I'm just trying to make it. I'm just, does that sound like an overcoming attitude? I'm just trying to make it. We're not just trying to make it. We've already won. John said it at the, at the prayer. We've already won. Pastor Dylan said it Sunday. It's a fixed fight. It's already, it's already we already win. Amen. We don't, we're not the Dallas Cowboys. We didn't lose. Amen. Most people lose. There's a lot of losing teams. There's 30-something teams in the NFL. Only one's going to get a trophy. The rest are losers. None of us in here are losers tonight. We're all winners because we're on God's side, and we can't lose, and we're, de- we're undefeated. Amen. That's a good reason to be happy. So he says, my brethren, count it joy when you fall into various trials. Could that be an attitude? Could I begin to look at my trials different and say, oh, okay, God, knowing that the testing of my faith produces patience. The testing of my faith produces patience. Listen to this. Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. Let me say that again. Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. 
It is where you are able to feel the presence of God in the midst of it. That's, that's where Paul was. How else could you be sitting in a prison? And, and, and knowing God, God, I mean, think about it. You, if we want to do pity parties, Paul could do it all day long. God, you told me to preach. I preached, and here I am sitting, in, and now you want me to write? Really? I mean, we got to put these things in perspective, amen? That's what perspective helps you understand. Somebody has it worse. Somebody has it harder. So somebody, uh, I, I've, I've seen this quote before, I don't have it in my notes, but some people would love to have your bad day. Can you look at the person next to you and say that with some conviction? No, don't say some people. Say a whole lot of people would love to have your bad day. I want every single person to look at the person near you and tell them that. Come on. Come on. Everybody, a lot of people would love to have your bad day. That's the truth. You get that at the end of the day and you say, oh, this happened, that happened, this and that. Some people say, oh, that'd be, that'd be an awesome day for me. Come on. It's the truth. Joy, this is the will of God here. How many know the will of God's not easy? Joy, listen, is not based on circumstances. There are different levels of believers in this place tonight, and the ones who are, are growing in their faith have understood that their joy does not come from their bank account or how they feel or how people like them or any of those things. Their joy comes from something else. It's called God's word. Their joy comes from God's word and his promises. His promises. That, that's the difference. Those in here that can have joy in the midst of a trial have understood his promises. Now, I know Habakkuk's hard to find, but let's go there. If you're in your Bibles taking notes, and it'll be up on the screen. Habakkuk chapter 3. This is a, a, a powerful verse. I love this verse. Um, and, 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 you know, some of the things here are not really relevant to us today. I could have broken it down, but I think we're smart enough to understand what it means for us today. He says this statement. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. I could say through that maybe that um, though there's no food in my refrigerator and the, and the fruit it is, they're spoiled. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. Maybe I got fired and I don't have a job. Though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, the Lord, we skipped 17, I think. Did we? Okay. Yet I will rejoice, sorry, my bad. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, let's go back to that, and let's read that again. Habakkuk. He's saying, my, so, well, actually, go back, go back to the last one. Let's, let's go backwards this time. I need to rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to be happy in the joy of my salvation. Now, let's go back to the other one. So, he says, my joy is based off of my salvation, nothing else. Could that change our lives tonight? Could that change our lives tonight if we would begin to walk and our joy would be based not off of what we have or don't have, but by the simple fact, I'm saved. 
Think about how many, we know this fact, so keep that there for a second. We know, how, we know how many people around the world, we've talked about this before, if, if you know where your next meal is, you are more blessed than it's probably, I don't know the latest number, 80 or 90% of the people in the world. If you know where your meal is tomorrow. So that's a big number, right? So we're blessed. Tonight, regardless of what we have in the bank account, regardless of how I physically feel, regardless of how my family's doing, regardless of where I live, regardless of if I have a car or not, all those things out the door, I am saved, which is better than everybody on the earth that's not saved. I have something that, just like we have something that most people don't have, which is knowing where our next meal is, we have salvation. When it, it, we, could, we could be having the worst life ever. We could be having the worst life, not even day or week. We could be having the worst life. You might inside be thinking, man, I got the worst life in the world. Well, guess what? This life is going to end, and you're going to be in heaven with Jesus. Amen. It's going to end. It's going to be over. But God doesn't just want us to live like that. He doesn't want us to have that attitude. Well, I just can't wait to die so I can make, like the little boy said, so I can make it to heaven. He wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to affect other people. We can't be like that and people, well, how come no one ever gets saved? How come, no, how come no one ever comes to church that I invite? We got to live a life of joy so that they'll want what we have. Amen. They were like, man, they got, I, I see that you think they don't see your circumstances. People aren't dumb. At work they see, they hear. Trust me, now with Facebook, everybody knows everything. Right? Everybody knows everything. And in my opinion, too much. Amen. I don't care that you had to go to the bathroom today. That's obvious. I don't care that you're tired. Amen. That's obvious. People put stuff on there that's way, way too, too uh, you know, TMI. Amen? So Facebook tells us everything, so we can kind of know what's going on. But people are watching our Facebooks and our lives, and they're saying, How, how's this Christian reacting to this situation? And when they see us joyful and happy and thankful in all circumstances, they might want what we have. Amen. Y'all here? The Lord God is my strength he will make me, my feet, uh, here's 19, he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high heels. Now, not high heels that women wear, amen? High heels, heels, powerful. This is, you know what this means? He's saying that, that my God, if I have the right attitude, my God will allow me to walk above the circumstances, that I can live above the circumstances. Amen? I know this is a lot to take in on a Wednesday night, but this is good. This is good stuff. This is God's word. Amen? And I'm telling you, I'm giving you a nugget here. I don't have it perfect, but I'm telling you, I've, I've learned this. If I could just be happy and rejoice in what I have or don't have, but at the end of the day, I'm saved. Devil, you can try to fight me. You can try to lie to me. You can try to steal from me. That's why Jesus said this, this, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Amen. That's the life that God wants us to live. Yes, the devil's real. Yes, he hates your guts. Yes, he fights you. Yes, he lies to you. But Jesus said, but I'm greater. And greater is he that is in me. 
than he that's in the world. Stop giving the devil so much credit. Amen. He's defeated. It's obvious you're going to have some battles. It's obvious that we're being attacked. If you start doing something right, how many, I'm don't, don't raise your hands, how many ex-drug acts do we have in here that never, ever, ever had anybody give them free drugs till they got saved? All of a sudden they get saved and everybody wants to give them free drugs. All the alcoholics in here, you never had anybody buy you alcohol, and now people want to give you alcohol all the time. Isn't it obvious that the devil's going to come and he's going to offer you some stuff from your past? He's going to lie to you a little bit. He's going to try to attack you. He don't want to let you go. You've been his friend for a long time, but he's defeated. And listen here, he's even more defeated when you're rejoicing. He's only a little bit defeated if you're not rejoicing because you're still saved. But listen, get this as I close. When you begin to rejoice always, when you begin to thank God in all circumstances, when you begin to have the right attitude about God, church, and you begin to stomp on his head and say, I'm going to be happy whether I feel happy or not, you're all the way defeating the devil, amen? Not just a little bit. You say, greater is he that is in me than he that lives in the world, and the circumstances I'm facing are not going to get me down because I've got a home in heaven waiting for me. Amen. Amen. Tell that devil he's defeated. Stop stop giving him credit. Stop giving him power. Amen. Know that that God is alive and he's real, and this is why we have this power. 1 Peter 1, verse 8 and 9, he says, Whom having not seen, you love. Do you realize tonight you love somebody you've never seen? You love someone you've never seen with your physical eyes, though now you do not see him. Watch this. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You know there's a joy inside of us tonight that is inexpressible. That's why the words fall short. Once I get done saying awesome and powerful and mighty and all the words that I have in the dictionary that I try to come up with and and God's heard them all, there's an expressible spirit inside of us that says, I'm saved. I am saved. Amen. I am born again. I am a new believer. I'm I'm a child of God. I'm God's righteousness. I'm God's favorite. How many, raise your hand if you think you're God's favorite tonight. Let me see your hand. If you don't raise it, I'm going to come raise it for you. You better think you're God's favorite. Come on. Every healthy child should think their mom and dad's favorite. Come on. Come on. I don't care if you messed up or not. I know I'm mom and dad's favorite. I know it. I'm their favorite child. Amen. You are God's favorite child in your own mind. Amen. Come on. I'm, I know God loves me. You better know God loves you. He loves you. He died for you. He's got a plan for you. You've you got so much to be happy. There's something inside of me that says, man, I don't understand this. I, why am I saved? Why does God love me? Why did he save me? Why did he forgive me? Because he's good. There should be an inexpressible joy in us. Now, I'm going to pinch one nerve before I finish here, okay? Just one. Now I have two fingers up, though. Amen. Just one. I was reading my things. I love, the, I love that jar. I send y'all texts, and I, if I get it, I read it, and I send it to you, and I say, thank you for the, for the jar. And I do have a special drawer, just so you know, for the special ones. They're all good, but some are a little better than others. But you'll never know who's in my drawer. And, and, and one person wrote, 
that, that uh, and I just totally lost my train of thought just now. That's wonderful. Amen. When I pull out that jar, it's going to come back to me. Expressible joy. That didn't help. Amen. It's going to come back, though. Amen. When we read something like that, we, we know that we've affected somebody else. Okay? And so here's the, here's the nerve. Oh, that's what it was. Thank you. Someone told me in that thing, I, I, I thank you for, you know, being pastor and all these different things. But at the end they said, and I, and I love how you, how you hit us straight on when we need to hear it. That's what it was. I love when people love that. So here's the thing. And I've said this for years. If you're really quiet and you don't make any facial expressions and you are just a deadbeat, that's fine. Amen. If that's who you are, that's who you are. But most of us in here, watch this, have a way of coming out of our shell, right? Even if you're super quiet, if you get around the right friends, if you get around the right people, if you get in the right atmosphere, some of you saying, yeah, I used to have the right things too, like alcohol, and that'd get me out of my shell real good. But that's BC, amen. But when you get, you're all with me, come on, you get around the right friend in school, you get around the right atmosphere, you get in the right place, you come out of your shell a little bit. People are like, man, I didn't know you were like that. I didn't know you laughed like that. I didn't know you smile. They smile. I mean, whatever. Something I could, if I could say your word tonight outside of God, if I could say something that makes you, whatever your passion is, maybe it's Star Wars. Some people like Star Wars, right? Whatever it is, if I say that passion, you'd light up. You'd light up. That joy. That light up, that happiness is what Jesus should give you. Jesus wants to take that place. He wants that thing that used to light you up and make you happy. He wants to be that place. That's his, he wants that place. And, and so I know that a lot of us are, we don't express ourselves as much. And I know a lot of us in here, uh, when and I watch y'all, when you're praising and worshiping, you know, you, you have a hard time getting that hand up sometimes. Or you have a hard time clapping. And some of you need to not clap because you clap off beat. Amen. But you can learn. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. But that thing that light, you know, some of those things struggle. But if you get out of your shell somewhere else, don't let that passion and that love and that exuberance ever overcome the exuberance, love, elation, jubilation that you have for Jesus. I got basketball friends here. I've seen y'all on the basketball court. See, they're friends. See, they were friends before I was their pastor. I've seen y'all on the basketball court, pump, fist pump, dancing after a shot, doing all kinds of stuff. I'm just using them as an example because they're friends. Let me come into church. Come on. I imagine y'all in your cars be BC. Singing your songs. You know, being that person you pull up next to in the, at the light. Right? But you're coming to church. Told y'all gonna hit a nerve. We won't even go how you stacked under the influence of alcohol or drugs or your favorite song. How many get what I'm saying? I, now, 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 just bring it all into light. When I got saved, I believe I'm a passionate person. I'm a huge sports fan. Love sports. All y'all know that. 
And, and God spoke to me so clearly. You've heard me say it before. God spoke to me so clearly when I got saved. He said, listen, it's, I'm okay with you liking sports. He didn't say love. He said, I'm okay with you liking sports. You can keep liking the Dallas Cowboys and suffering with them. You can keep liking the Chicago Cubs and suffering with them. You can keep liking the Lakers and suffering with them. I'm just throwing out my teams there real quick. You can keep suffering with them if you want. But listen, he said, don't ever, in a nice way, he said, don't ever get so excited about those things and not get excited about me. Let that never be so, hey, I, come on now, think about the stadium. Hey, I don't know what your platform is, amen? I don't know what it is that brings you elation or joy, or, but you get what I'm saying, right? Can I finish on it? Am I done? Do y'all get it? Don't ever bring so much joy to something else. Some people, some people love their kids more than they love God. Some people rejoice more in what their kids do than what that happens in God. Some people rejoice more in their job than God. Come on, you thought I was done. I got to finish this right here. It's okay to love your job. It's okay to love sports. It's okay to love your spouse and love your kids and all those things. But God says, I got to be first. Don't ever get excited about your job and don't ever get excited about those other things more than you get excited about the fact that I came down from heaven and gave my life on the cross so that you can have eternal life so that in every circumstance and every trial and every problem, I could be the greater love in your life because no greater love has any man than he that lays down his life for a friend. So believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Listen, receiving the end of, the, of your faith. Here it says, the salvation of your souls. The salvation, that's the will of God that I'm saved. And at the end of the day, church, you can get this verse to go home with. Someone quoted it last week. It's one of my all-time favorites because, listen, no matter what I'm going through, God says in Psalm 35, his anger is just for a moment. And his favor is for a lifetime. Isn't that awesome? He, he gets mad at us sometimes, but then his, his favor is for a lifetime. And some weeping and some problems and some struggles and some, some sad times are going to happen. I'm just paraphrasing that last part. He says, weeping may endure for a night. He means my, my suffering, my struggles, my problems are temporary. But joy comes in the morning. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Joy comes in the morning. Amen. Joy comes in the morning. How can I not be excited? How can I not rejoice? How can I not be joyful tonight knowing that no matter what I'm facing, tomorrow the sun's going to come up again and the sun's going to shine. And God says when that sun comes up, even if it's cloudy like today, I've got this. I'm bigger than your struggle. I'm bigger than your problem. Fall in love with me again. Again, and I'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, let this be a nugget for us tonight. Lord, let our joy be not based on our circumstances, but based on your word tonight, Jesus. We feel your presence. We feel your glory. We feel your love in this place tonight. We know you're here. We know you're here tonight, God, and you're challenging us. Lord, to listen to your word. This isn't some words I spoke. I didn't give us a pep rally tonight. I spoke your word. And your word says the will of God for our lives in Christ Jesus is that I would rejoice always. And that I would pray without ceasing. 
and that in every situation in my life, I would give thanks. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, when was the last time you said, God, thank you for allowing me to go through that struggle? God, thank you for allowing me to hit my head on that situation and have a little bruise and a little bump so I could learn from it instead of having my head knocked off. Lord, when was the last time I said, God, I, I don't even understand what's going on right now. This is difficult. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Please, nobody looking around. Heads bowed and eyes closed. When was the last time you thought and said, God, no matter what I'm going through, I am thankful tonight that you are with me and you're bigger than my struggle and you're bigger than my circumstances. Tonight, God is on the throne and your circumstances are not going to take him off. I'm going to say that again. God is on the throne, and your circumstances will not take him off. What makes you happy? What gives you joy? Tonight, if anything else gives you more joy than God, tonight's the night to say, Lord, I don't want that to ever happen again. I want to be happy tonight in you. I want to be happy tonight in the joy of my salvation tonight. As we begin to sing this song all over this place, whether you come to the altar or pray at your seat, let's rejoice in the Lord tonight. Let's rejoice in God tonight. Let's rejoice in our salvation. Let's thank him tonight that my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Father, help us to be glorified on this earth, bringing glory to your name. Help us to rejoice in every situation, Father, and tell others, hey, God's got this. God's bigger than this struggle. God's bigger than this trial. Hallelujah. As we begin to sing tonight, let's just spend a few moments worshiping and praising God and lifting up his holy name because the Bible says he is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Let's worship him tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.